Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 69 for Monday, December 9th, 2019. My name is Johnny, and joining me, as always, is Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello, sir. It is a fun-filled Monday morning as we are leaning heavily into the new update coming from Minecraft tomorrow, mm -hmm. we hope. Cross, cross our fingers, Absolutely. knock on wood. Yes. But if you'd like to hear more about things like YouTube watch time, Star Wars... Christmas vacation and uh, what we've been up to outside of Minecraft, then you got to check out the Render Distance, which is the extended version of the podcast, and you can get that at patreon.com slash the Spunchucks. What have you been up to in Minecraft this week, Joel? Have you, have you been playing much Minecraft? Because I know No Man's Sky has been an occasional distraction for you. So I'm learning quite a bit about Twitch streaming and times of day, mm -hmm. and uh, I find that my No Man's Sky streams are usually better received in the evening. Uh, I am also more apt to play it then. Uh, it's a chill game, and uh, it's a quiet chat. And so I've been saving Minecraft for more weekends during the midday, and I can't do streams midday usually. So uh, Minecraft is kind of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday for sure if I can, and then No Man's Sky has been the evening. So I have only really popped back into Minecraft uh, over the weekend, which is good because everything is fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I have seen the sun hey finally <laughs> out a, of the nether it's a bizarre feeling but yeah we we finished the nether network it is 100 percent complete i um i pushed through a couple of longer streams that were not i wouldn't not frustrating but it was just i was feeling we're going to talk about this later i was feeling the inventory pinch because i was trying to design these last rooms and i needed like all these different blocks to work with yeah yeah um but I also just had one last room, one last portal to sort out. And it was just like, I just could think of nothing else but checking off this box and calling the Nether Network finished for now. Um, so to recap, um, well, one, you can go over to twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. And my most recent stream, I spend the first 10 or 15 minutes walking around the Nether and talking about the network. Like there's no building, it's just a tour. And so if you want to get caught up and have all the visuals, you can go check that out. But essentially, we have the main Nether Hub, which has been up for about a year and a half. And then the adjacent rooms in all the cardinal directions, north, south, east, west, have all been in some way or form kind of designated and, and designed, but not finished. And then I've also created all of the other rooms that are on the corner. So northwest, northeast, etc. And they all kind of tie into one another, color-coded, and they all fade use the quote, quote, fade, quote, unquote, yeah. uh, into one another design-wise. So as you go from the dark oak room to the sandstone room, in between is a room that's dark oak and sandstone. Yeah. And then they, they kind of bridge one another. And it was really, really fun. There was a lot of different things to do. I took it upon myself to just color code them as to what biomes are in that direction. And it has been an experience because I've been designing off the cuff, like from the hip, live on stream i've not had any big plans so it's been cool to kind of take the amount of knowledge i've picked up over minecraft over the last couple of years and kind of implement it and then i'm also not shy about just changing themes from walking through a doorway so you could be walking down an ice hallway and then in the you pass through a doorway and all of a sudden you're in you're in fire and and mm -hmm. lava and whatever it's just it's just a fun kind of quote-unquote minecraft theme you know like just things just change with your imagination they they meant to, they're meant to be communicate information in terms of what is behind this portal oh this is the iron farm or this is you know the the in on a bridge or whatever it leads to it's supposed to be pretty obvious so i've had a lot of fun doing that uh however i'm glad it's done 
because uh, I've recently moved out into the world. There is sunshine. The sun goes up and down. Uh, there are skeletons that kill you, by the way, died for the first time in a long time, live on stream. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Surprised no, that a... that happened in the overworld and not in the nether somehow. Uh, yeah, I think it's basically like... The, the thing is, in the nether, the only thing that's really going to kill you is gas. Like, yeah. And I, if you've been in tunnels the that, entire time, then yeah. Yeah, nothing else is that big of a threat. And even in the open nether, it's just ghasts. Like, I just, and, and even then, the fireballs, when you've got protection on your armor, even just iron armor, that doesn't really kill you. I mean, you could light, be lit on fire, and if you haven't been watching your food, then maybe. But um, I know two skeletons destroyed me. Yeah. Just done. And like it was four shots and I was, I mean, I had already, I think I might've had only eight hearts, but still like I just, I could not get away fast enough. And they're, they were rapid fire and they weren't missing. It was, it was a weird sort of experience. Um, so, I mean, which is good because I, I like Minecraft being a little bit harder. So, so that was an interesting experience, but we are in a new build zone. It's like, why, why are you in the open world, Joel? Well, I'm actually having this kind of new world experience. We went 4,000 blocks south of the main area, and I've started the beginnings of the modern city build. Nice. So we're talking pavement, roads, pot potentially cars. Uh, we're going to do skyscrapers and all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm really looking forward to it because it is, it is nothing like I've done in Minecraft before. I've done modern designs but they're just modern farm designs like minecraft farms which is mm -hmm. essentially just stained glass and concrete boxes like it's not really a building it's just a shape yeah so i'm looking forward to trying to do skyscrapers and uh you know like trying to do like little shops like bakeries and butchers and try to figure out what i can do and i'm telling you right now even just doing a little um we decided to start the city on a village so there's a currently there's a minecraft village at this location and i think i'm going to use the main village center as like the main drag of the city like i'm going to turn it into a big four-lane street uh-huh middle america would hate me uh <laughs> so uh, what we're doing is 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 uh, i grabbed one of the little villager houses i was like well we're going to need a place to hang our hat while we're here let's convert this little villager house into a little modern townhouse and so i did that and i can understand now why people that build a lot of modern builds in minecraft thinking mostly of like me people would probably be more familiar with um corrales like hit some of his youtube videos he has these modern house tours and things and a lot of these builders use custom texture packs and i can understand why it yeah. is really difficult to use minecraft blocks and make it look modern because so many of the textures lean medieval rustic stuff stone yeah. and wood and things like that it's it's minecraft is really lacking on the modern side of things unless you decide to go with a custom texture pack yeah i kind of agree and it's funny because i'm doing something pretty similar in my own world now with this ski village that i've been working on it's if not modern then at the very least contemporary i'm sort of modeling right. it after sort of alpine ski resorts and that kind of thing so there is a lot of you know spruce wood around and that kind of stuff and, and it's all materials that i can get from that area for the most part so so it's okay but i also decided to go you know pretty modern with this i've got roads in there i built a car park with vehicles in it um okay and, and i'm keeping all of the lighting and stuff sort of like with lanterns which are both good for that snowy village aesthetic and also look kind of like modern lamps if you don't look too closely so i built like proper lamp posts for the car park so that all of the bays were lit up and that kind of thing and and that's looking quite nice so far but i'm i'm running into the same problem a little bit of thinking how can i make this look 
unlike all of the other stuff that I have built so far, even though I've used spruce wood and dark oak and stuff extensively elsewhere in the world, and it's really just all about the shapes you're using at that point, mm -hmm. it's really difficult to make what looks like a sloped roof, especially in a snow biome, because you want to pile that sloped roof quite high with snow, as though it's all just kind of stuck on there and is waiting to slide off when it melts in the morning, but then you can't put snow on top of stairs, so trying to mix in snow into a sloped roof so it looks like the roof is still sloped but is kind of covered in the stuff is is quite right. difficult yeah that would be challenging yeah it, at least with snow if you wanted to get fancy with it on the roofs you have those the micro layers you know like you have the, exactly. the layers of snow so that you could at least if you put it if you put a block of snow and it's supposed to be quote unquote over a stair you could use some snow layers to kind of build it up a little bit and hide the fact that it's it's such a like a block that's that's there that would be that'd be really fun to mess with actually i it's one of the things that i i miss about the season three of vastin was working with some snow layers and adding those little border details around roads and things the the challenge that i'm looking at right now um i think i've decided how wide i want my roads to be uh because i i think the biggest vehicle is probably going to be three blocks wide so think of like a big truck, you know, like hauling yeah. some lumber or something like that. So you got, you know, spot for the idea being like, you know, you can, you can kind of make it look like it's got two headlights and you can put a ladder in the middle for like a grill. And then the rest of it is just like a, you know, a three block wide vehicle. And then you can have like blocks for wheels, but then not have them touch, you know, like there's still a block of space in between. Yeah. If we're using like say concrete powder, it's five blocks of concrete powder. Then there's the median line, the little dotted line, and then another five blocks of concrete powder. And that, to me seems to be about right for for the width it doesn't feel too wide when you walk across it it doesn't feel like you're walking across a football field yeah yeah yeah. you know that, that's the problem with the the scale of those things can get away from you a little bit and i've gone slightly mm -hmm. larger with my scale where i can um and i'm worried that it's going to feel a little bit too big for the space but then the snow biome i'm working with is so large and expansive that i think i can probably get away with it and and landscaping is going to take up a lot of that i've been really enjoying that actually just kind of terraforming the area a little bit more and fitting in kind of rock formations and things like that and you're right snow layers are fantastic fun to build with and it makes me wish we had layered blocks of so many other substances yeah. like you can imagine layered dirt or sand we've talked about this i think before yeah. but like having layered gravel would be great too yeah absolutely and and you can imagine just kind of decorating a a garden with that way you'd have like a, a gravelly space like a carport in a modern house or something like that i think people yeah. use concrete powder for stuff like that now but even so just having the depth is really really nice um mm -hmm. but of course with the update coming out relatively soon i am probably going to be dipping out of the ski village and going back to my medieval town because that seems like a more hospitable biome to build stuff related to bees in um at least to get the farms going there and and figure out how bees work figure out what makes them tick or buzz or whatever they end up doing and uh, <laughs> yeah I, I i want to i want to spend a bit of time this week really diving into the features that bees and honey blocks bring and i'm probably going to try and use the honey block slime block stuff to some effect i i still i'm still not entirely sure if some of the stuff I want to do with those is possible or the best way to go about making moving parts and having slime blocks and honey blocks interact or not interact. Uh, the next big thing I want to do in the ski village area is probably going to be an ice farm of a larger scale than the one I already have, which is just a kind of, you know, 10 by 10 thing on a mountain top with slabs across the middle to stop the uh, the water sources from freezing over completely. Um, 
so yeah, I'm I'm gonna try and do a piston-powered ice farm next. I think is probably the next the next big farm project. Right on. I I don't have any plans for slime or not slime uh, for honey, honey blocks. blocks. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw a really cool build that Matt casted in, on the Sigil this past weekend. He made a big creeper shrine for the birthday prank that Alistair and I played on him like last year. And he used lights under slime blocks. And so it's got this really cool green glowy floor because, of course, the slime blocks let light through. Yeah. And um, if if honey blocks do the same, then you could do the same thing, with, but with yellow. And it just kind of makes me think, like, you know, what other blocks and effects could you use honey blocks with? Not so much functionally, but like in terms of a fashion, you know, in terms of lighting and translucency and things like that. I um. I haven't. I have yet to really build like a fancy piston door or anything like that yeah. in Minecraft. I haven't had the need for it because so much of my stuff has been kind of like medieval themed, or there just hasn't been a need. Like I, a lot of my builds don't have doors so much as they have drops. Like my my uh, swamp base, the main entrance to the mine is a is a drop shaft, not a not a door. Uh, same with my uh, storage system; it's just open. Uh, I've just decided instead of instead of um having doors and everything i've just mob proofed so it's it's all glass and leaf blocks so yeah. nothing can spawn in there uh and it's in a swamp so it's mostly surrounded by water so even if stuff does spawn it takes them forever to get to me <laughs> so i can usually um spot them coming long before they find a way inside and so uh i haven't really had the need for any kind of piston doors but i'm looking forward to exploring that a little bit um for you with as long as you've had the survival guide are you gonna have to try to travel quite far afield to to get bees hives and things yes and no i feel like the area i have explored around my spawn point has not necessarily been you know i haven't expanded an equal amount in every direction so i expect uh... there will very easily be forests in the world that i just haven't loaded and maybe if i load up my world in some sort of overviewer program and can see the chunks i haven't visited i just go in that direction and i'll probably find myself a forest quite quickly so right. I'm, considering how content light this update is i'm probably not going to trim my world this time and i've done tutorials on that before so that's not something i'm interested in covering yet again but mm. I think, yeah, it, it it's getting to the point where I can probably just go in a very specific direction, maybe 2,000 blocks or so, or just travel north of where I am right now, because I think the snow biome I'm in is the furthest I've explored north of me, so it might even be more convenient for me to head out that way before I head back to spawn for the main event. Um, I'm thinking about making a hotel in the ski resort where the lobby... Uh, like the 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 foyer kind of floor is made out of honey block or honeycomb blocks because i've been thinking about ways to make those into something interesting when they don't really do all that much functionally and i look at them and i think that looks sort of like those diagonal kind of or hexagonal tiles that you sometimes get in floors in maybe something that's a little bit more i don't know like an art deco style hotel and so i kind nice. of want to use them for stuff like that i've been thinking about um I saw a video recently when they were promoting the new um, follow-up to The Shining, um, Doctor Sleep. Some some YouTubers were invited up to go and see the uh, the the hotel where that that is, I guess the the Overlook. I think is what it's called in the in the book and the film. Um, 
and and the carpets in those hotels are very kind of hypnotic looking and repetitive patterns and i think the honeycomb block might actually work really well for that i'm just trying to find the stuff about this update that people will probably ignore in favor of you know bees are a thing now and 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 honey blocks are fascinating mechanically and i'm still trying to i'm, I'm trying to hone in on some of the stuff that i think is going to be overlooked no pun intended uh, yeah. but but i but i think might be uh, kind of worth exploring anyway I had completely forgot about the honeycomb block. That doesn't affect your speed or anything when you're on it, right? That's no, just, it's just it's a decorative. Pure, purely decorative. Just a, right on. Okay, cool. Well, speaking of the update, we've got some news to cover this week. We've got uh, Minecraft 1.5, sorry, 1.15 pre-release 5, 6, and just recently 7 have all been uh, pushed out. And they are mostly bug fixes, but uh, to highlight a few of those, the increased size limit for client downloading resource packs has been increased from 50 megabytes to 100 megabytes. They fixed some crashes and some bugs in 1.15 pre-release 5, mostly UI and back-end fixes. However, you can see the full list at minecraft.net. We'll have that linked in the show notes. In pre-release 6, we've fixed crashes, fixed bugs, and entities, including items, get slowed down by soul sand, even when not sunken into the block. Uh, so this is, maybe, I think, maybe uh, key for maybe redstone or, or transporting items, maybe waterways, that sort of thing. Uh, and then there's a lot more, again, on Minecraft.net. Uh, and then some, I didn't actually catch this. You added this to the notes just a few minutes ago with pre-release 7. Have there been any major bugs in, in 7 that are worth noting? Uh, Pre-7 is mostly related to the debug screen. Uh, so the, the three fixes listed on the site are lines on the debug screen are taller than before. The debug screen FPS and TPS graphs weren't being rendered correctly. And the F3 screen was giving you empty graphs if you loaded it up in spectator mode. Uh, those have all now been fixed, and uh, apparently that was the end of the list for uh, pre-release bugs that they wanted to get fixed for the 115 release, so we should be seeing that tomorrow. Fingers crossed, here's hoping, and here's hoping there aren't any significant issues outstanding that maybe the player base has highlighted, but they weren't able to fix in this version. I know there's obviously mm -hmm. still going to be some stuff, but I've definitely had a couple of people telling me that like tick speed for certain items is... A little bit weird now and yeah I, i've had a couple of youtube comments about that lately that i haven't heavily investigated because i've not been spending time in the snapshots or the pre-releases but we'll uh yeah we'll we'll see what happens i suppose yeah i think the only time i spent some time in a pre-release was when the bees first came out and that was mostly for research and some screenshots for yeah. the spawn chunks but uh, after that i really you know we read the notes and i watch a couple of recap videos that that you know some of our favorite youtubers make and that's kind of all I need to kind of get up to speed because, again, mostly the rendering bugs and stuff like that are not things that I have to experience myself. I can read about it or watch it in a video and feel like I'm pretty up to speed. So I don't really have a lot of comments in response to the pre-releases themselves, especially these last few. Uh, the question I have, though, is do we think 115 is going to be ready to be pushed out tomorrow? Because like, they seem to be squashing some pretty like things are missing you know like this was just not there or you know uh entities are just not behaving as they should um plains villager trees leaves were much bigger than normal like things like this are not bugs that i've heard of and seen forever they seem to be new yeah. and so in the last few weeks they seem to be introducing more bugs than they have been fixing uh or fixing old ones i should say uh and so I, I, I want tomorrow to be a smooth release because I know that, you know, obviously everybody at Moyang works really hard on these things. And I, I'm just, I don't think it's going to go as smooth as most people hope. And I think it's important that players maybe prepare for that. 
yeah, I don't want anybody to get optimistic and think that this is the update that's going to fix Minecraft and there will be no more yeah. bugs ever again, because mm -hmm. of course there will. It's an ongoing video game in a notoriously, like, buggy platform. I feel like Java is one of those things where everybody hears about it and shakes their head and goes, why did they code it in Java to begin with? Um, and, and obviously it's becoming more and more complex as time goes on, so we're always going to get bugs like that, and I am hoping that despite the fact that, you know, they've been advertising this effectively as an update that is focusing on bug fixes, their hubris in that sense isn't going to trip them up, not that I think they've been particularly big-headed about it, but I think I, I want to make sure that it's not something everyone thinks is going to resolve all problems with Minecraft going forward, especially when the next update is adding a lot of content, there will inevitably be problems and conflicts with how that stuff works, not to mention the fact that it's changing zombie pigmen into zombie piglins, and is, is that going to change mm. their behavior? We still don't really know. There's there's a bit of stuff that might throw Spanner into the works in future. Um, but yeah, I think from what I've heard, the performance in these pre-releases has been significantly better. We are at least hopeful that it's going to resolve some of the issues on multiplayer servers with just block lag and chunk rendering and, you know, stuff that should just be part of a smoother experience for, like, looking at it holistically, uh, that mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to be, like you were saying the other week, walking down a corridor and then suddenly you're teleported back as though you never walked down it in the first place because of, you know, server-side and client-side desync that kind of stuff and that that's really what i'm hoping for is that the the structural stuff gets fixed more so than the superficial stuff i think exactly that that's that's really the direction i'm hoping it has taken um yeah we won't be updating right away on the citadel uh, but we're going to be um downloading uh, myself and alistair are actually going to download the world uh and update it locally on 115 to see what mechanics might be changing and what other things might break but uh we are all of us are getting pretty fed up with the entity tracking block tracking uh issues that are happening uh on because i mean we've not had this problem uh on the citadel and if there's three people on it is not unplayable but it's rough yeah um and and combined with some of my own personal experiences with and I don't know whether 115 will help in this regard, but I know that um, for me personally, I'm still streaming um, Minecraft from my Mac just because it was all set up to do so. So I haven't really moved everything over to the PC. And OBS is not great for Mac in terms of efficiency. And so it really taxes the computer, which it shouldn't. Yeah. And so that combined with the server not running very well, I have mouse lag, which is just on my end, mm -hmm. but then, um, and only in inventory, it doesn't matter. Like looking around the world is not a big deal, but it's when you're in moving stuff around in your inventory, you really feel the mouse lag. And then combined with all of the things that are happening on the server, it starts to you know better, but it starts to make you feel like this, the machine I'm on, like my computer is not good enough mm -hmm. when it's not the case, right? Like it's, it's a combination of a lot of things and it really pulls you out of the experience. Like I had to reel myself in on stream over the weekend um, to not be so negative and complain all the time because like I was just getting fed up with like ghost blocks and being shot by ghasts when I can't return to sender because I'm not seeing the the fireball at the same place that the server is seeing this fireball it sees it having already smacked me in the face where i'm still seeing it halfway between the gas and i yeah and and so there's all these different things like i'll 
a couple times I've even been spooked by like, I thought I was attacked from behind, but what had happened was I jumped off a roof, walked inside, and then I took the damage from the yeah. fall. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. like, what did, did a zombie come up behind me? Am I in danger? Nope. I just, that was just a delayed reaction to jumping, you know, three meters off. Of you're roof, you're like, you're probably... like changing to third person and checking yourself for arrows. You're like, what hit me? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm, I want to try and update the Citadel as fast as I can, but I do knowing previous releases with one fourteen, uh, and the issues that I had where I couldn't play for two weeks, I really need to be careful and make sure that I've got reports from other friends. And I might even see if anybody in my community that runs a server is willing to, um, to give some feedback on, on, um, I guess the the state of it on a server at its release time. We've had some good feedback here on the show about people that have had both 114 and 115 running on servers and having good feedback. Yeah. Uh, but because things change so rapidly with these pre-releases, I'm hoping that all that has maintained you know, the same trajectory. Uh, the one thing that I'm going to do, and I'm hoping that that this will also help, uh, is that I don't want to make I, I want to make sure I'm not pointing all of the fingers on either the server host or the version of Minecraft and that I do have a number of data packs that I'm running on the server for quality of life. Some of them we're not using anymore. And so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove all of the data, the data packs. And then when we update to 115 and I'm only going to add in the data packs one at a time, as we say, Oh yeah, this isn't on here anymore. We should really use that, you know, like whatever that happens to be. So I really want to try and, and, minimize the amount of other stuff that might be contributing it's the same way that i troubleshoot a wordpress website sometimes plugins cause a lot of trouble and you don't realize it yeah 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 i, th I think that's it's probably wise and i think i'm going to talk to the people on my patreon server about that as well because you want a fresh kind of clean experience of it to begin with mm -hmm. and then see how far you can push it before things start to become a problem or if anything is a problem immediately you can diagnose it as just being a problem with the current version maybe um and yeah i think it's it's important once again to have perspective and realize that there's going to be a huge variety of use cases for this there's going to be single player multiplayer servers of all sizes and it's not going to solve everyone's problems because some people may be working with contraptions that are going to cause a lot of lag for the server to begin with simply because the more complex the world is the more stuff it has to calculate ultimately um i've kind of hit the point though where where i know a release is just around the corner and i'm sort of losing interest in playing minecraft 1.14 now it's weird i've noticed that and maybe it's because i've been slightly distracted by playing pokemon as well but i think i'm 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 hanging on for this release even though it is content light i know that there is enough there enough stuff there to keep me interested that i'm like I'm 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 going to hold off on on doing stuff especially because I'm pre-recording content for the holidays now and I think if I pre-record too much I'm going to get too far ahead and then when 115 comes out I'm not going to be able to cover any of it for a week because I'll have too many videos backlogged at that point. So it's it's interesting and I'm ultimately yeah just going to withhold any thoughts about it from now on until I get to play it myself and find out what is different is is everything the same is everything running smoother in single player and in multiplayer we will uh, we will have to see but today is a chunk mail uh, episode it's a chunk mail dispenser episode because we get a lot of emails sent into the show and especially this last week we've had a fantastic response to our previous discussions in episode 67 about potential solutions to the inventory pinch the kind of thing where 
uh, you're finding yourself swamped by items, especially at end game, and storing all of those items or sorting all of those items once you have them in storage is becoming more and more difficult to handle, especially with future content updates bringing more and more blocks for us to sort through. So we had a couple of great emails. Um, we have the first one here from Catnip. How about you read that one? Sure. Catnip says, hi, Johnny and Joel. Thanks for your thought-provoking episode this past Monday. As I was listening to your roundtable discussion, it occurred to me that your two topics would complement each other uh, as a solution. Uh, what if there were advancements in Minecraft, such as mine 20,000 stone or place 1,000 quartz blocks, for which the reward would be receiving a bag devoted to for inventory space? This could be related to your achievement type, example, a bag that only holds stone or only holds quartz, or maybe the reward is a rare item that will allow you to craft a bag. We could even have advancements, advancement tiers that allow for bag upgrades. For example, maybe placing 1000 quartz will give you a bag with five slots of quartz, but if you get the next tier of placing 2500 quartz, you get an extra two slots in the bag. I know uh, a big consideration in your conversation was attending to game balance in uh, implementation of more inventory space. And it seems to me like using the advancement system would be a great way to keep it balanced. After all, it is often not until the later stages of the game when massive build projects become a thing that inventory space really begins to become a major issue. I'd be curious to hear what you think about this idea, Cat. Thanks so much for the email, Kat. Uh, that was super, super cool. Uh, I like the idea of combining uh, the advancements uh, for receiving a bag and stuff like that. Uh, I think, though, it would be cool if rather than receiving the bag itself, it was just that the recipe was gated behind the achievement. So similar to how the recipe book won't show you crafting recipes for certain items, say, like Prismarine, until you've, in a new world, actually picked up some Prismarine. Mm -hmm. uh, even if you know how to craft the stone bag, you wouldn't be able to do so until you have that advancement unlocked uh, in the world. And I think that, I think it's a really neat idea. I like the idea of pushing players to do more and build more without saying like too much. It's like, don't build a castle. It's like build, just place a lot of stone. And that could be anything, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and that way, you know, you could unlock the stone bag. I think the irony is that you'd unlock the stone bag after you probably need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> right. Like that might be a little bit of a thing, but, but then, but then you could also, you could gate them a different way. Like maybe by placing 20,000 stone, you unlock the stone brick bag, right. Or, or like, or you unlock a bag that uh, like maybe pushes things forward. So by using the base blocks, wood, dirt, stone, you unlock the, the bags that can hold all different kinds of wood. Yeah, right? kind, kind of in a, in a similar way to the material progression works now where basically the game says like, you, okay, great, you've got a wood pickaxe, now craft a stone one. It's kind of like, it's one step ahead yeah. of you each time. And I definitely like the idea better of it being a recipe that unlocks rather than just giving you an item because locking it behind one-off advancements becomes a problem. So like, if you just got the bag for completing that advancement, right now, I'm pretty sure advancements can only be completed once 
And I guess you can remove them from a player at a certain point, but then if you lost your special quartz bag in lava, it would be gone forever and you wouldn't be able to get it back. Whereas if you have a recipe allowing you to craft that, then that's mm-hmm. going to be a more permanent thing that you can you can reproduce. You can effectively farm them if you want to. The problem then becomes, where do you store the bags? You know, <laughs> it's it's one of those yeah. things where we have shulker boxes for stuff like this already, and it ultimately becomes a matter of having easier ways to automatically sort things and you know having like we said before um bags where if you pick up items they go into specific shulker boxes or specific you know containers within your inventory automatically instead of you having to put them down and shuffle through them makes a bit of sense but there's there's definitely a little bit of a um you know a give and take there i do think we have that the sorry the, go ahead go ahead I, I really think that the item giving aspect of advancements could be used to greater effect because right now the game doesn't use it at all. It only gives you experience as a reward for something and I think that could be expanded in a lot of ways and there is really scope for player expansion of it and I think that's probably why they've left that stuff alone but put the functionality in there for players to introduce stuff like that that I think maybe the game could do a little bit more with and that was ultimately the point I made in that episode of the podcast so I won't rehash it here. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, and this is kind of a total sidebar, but we've talked before about the fact that data packs can be used to add different achievements and advancements, right? Yeah. Like you could you could add your own. If you could also receive something for making those advancements, given what I know about custom model data, which is how the tables and chairs data pack work on the Citadel, I feel like it would be possible to reward the player with a special block or trophy for mining like X stone. Yeah. Like if you mine 100,000 stone, then a data pack could be on the server and you would receive this stone block that has a special carving in it, or maybe it's a trophy, like a soccer trophy or like, or a, you know, like a, a, a prize cup. I'm just thinking about the things they used to show you in Mario Kart and like Super, uh, Super Nintendo when you, you could like, you received like the cup, you know, like the, the winner's cup. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff. That would be really neat. And it really wouldn't affect... The, like it wouldn't affect building or anything in the game because it would really only be a single use show of um, achievement. Like you could have a room where you just like, well, this is the this is the obsidian. <laughs> we know who'd win this. <laughs> this is the obsidian cup. Several, and you have to mine. several times winner of the obsidian <laughs> cup at this point. Yes, um, but no, I, I agree. Um, it'd be it'd be cool to and and ultimately giving you trophy items prompts the player to build a trophy room. You know, and that mm-hmm, that's kind of right. again like inspires more stuff that you can build. And doing that through advancements seems like the way to go. I think it'd be really cool to have that as an implementation of custom mob heads. Uh, in the way that obviously servers now have that more mob heads data pack where you can get player heads that look like specific mobs for killing them and it's a random chance to drop them much the same as it is with with the skeletons and so forth i think it'd be really cool to have something like that but something that encourages players to go out and do specific feats like say mine a thousand stone and you get a stone block player head so you end up with like a smaller stone block that you could use for decoration but you only get that once you've mined through a certain amount of stone and that could be something that repeats if it's in a data pack rather than it being an advancement um yeah it might be fun to do it that way like you kill a certain amount of mobs and you are guaranteed to get a spider head for killing you know your 500th spider or something like that 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 might be a kind of a fun way to do it and a way to not make those things quite so easy to farm especially if you set high numbers for that kind of thing like removing the the rng aspect from it 
especially if it, if it was something that like you and I have just mentioned that, you know, some modern things that I think are missing from Minecraft. Like if you mine X amount of quartz, then you get like the quartz cup, which could sort of look like a coffee mug, you know, like you could, yeah. maybe not, maybe not with a handle, but like just a, I'm thinking of basically like the Minecraft flower pot, but white, you know, like just something, <laughs> yeah, that just, yeah. something that looks just a little bit different. If you wanted to put something on a counter in a modern kitchen build, if you put a white quartz cup down, it would just have that little bit of a modern twist on it that, that normally wouldn't be, you know, be there in Minecraft. That would be, that'd be really cool. It's a possibility. There's uh, a, lot, a lot of, you know, uh, blue sky thinking happening here, but I, I like the idea of using advancements that way. Uh, moving on, we've got a couple of answers to our questions uh, or our, our discussion topic about inventory from the episode 67 roundtable. This one comes from Doofasori, which says, Hello all, I would like to see craftable backpacks that maybe give maybe one and a half chests worth of storage. This storage would show up looking like inventory with no additional placement like ender chests. The way to make it competitive or immersive would be that it's taking the place of the chest inventory slot, so no chest plate or flying if you're wearing a backpack. Uh, I would add an XP level requirement to access the backpack, something like the first backpack requires 30 XP levels, the second one requires 40 XP levels, the third 50, and so forth. Uh, this would add extra incentive to avoid death as you risk locking your gear or items in a backpack that you'd have to regain 30 levels of XP to gain access again. Lastly, maybe have backpacks never despawn. That way, if you know you're dying, you can dump everything in a sack and before you die and it will be safe there when you get back. Love the show and thanks for all the work. Doofus Roy. Backpacks were like the, the hot topic here. So I'll read this one. It's, uh, hey, Joel and Pixriffs. This is from Isaac T. I have recently listened to your episode on uh, reinventing inventory and I had a few ideas of my own. We could have a search bar in the inventory or GUI. This would make finding andesite in a box of stone or gravel way easier. We have all struggled with this at some point or another, he says. Uh, and a backpack. Backpacks are popular. They are. Uh, I, was yeah, I was thinking something that could be uh, one up the inventory slot. Uh, sorry, take up one inv inventory slot. Maybe we could move the inventory over uh, on the screen and add another smaller space for the backpack. You could upgrade it over time, and maybe the new bag recipe would require the previous bagged craft, preventing jumping ahead. Thank you for your time, and keep up the amazing work, Isaac T. So we thought we'd reply to both of these kind of at the same time because they're both backpack-related. Uh, Johnny, what's your take on, on backpacks? Uh, I think obviously backpacks are quite an easy sell for Minecraft as an aesthetic because it doesn't really it do, it doesn't seem too modern for a medieval person to be walking around wearing one. Um, and yeah, there's there's some interesting ideas, especially in Dufasori's um email about locking it behind XP levels. I don't I don't know if I quite agree with that like the idea that you can't open your backpack until you've got 30 levels again because if you're at early game in particular 30 levels is quite a lot and i i have a quite a decent amount of xp levels because i don't die very often but i can imagine putting like a silk touch pick or some obsidian for a nether portal or something really important in there and then having to grind for 30 levels just to open it again is quite difficult when you're in early game and you don't have an xp farm set up or something like that it would require players to think a lot more cautiously about what they were doing and have infrastructure like that. Once again, this feels like the kind of thing that might make an interesting data pack as a challenge, but I don't know if a vanilla game feature would really want to like withhold items like that. I yeah. guess it's it's sort of similar to the way that if you put stuff in an ender chest and then you break the ender chest 
then you can't have access to those items until you craft another one. But then crafting that stuff is something that you can physically go out and do with some ease. It's still, you know, obscure items to find like ender pearls and blaze powder and stuff to make the ender chest, but it's not like gain a certain amount of experience. It feels more tangible, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a lower bar to to jump to get back to an ender chest if you haven't if you if you break the one that you have it's not as time consuming you yeah. know to 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 get back up I, I i sort of like the idea of getting it behind levels but maybe not 30 like maybe 10 or 5 or you know something um to have it be more ac accessible in, in early game uh what i i like the kind of more minecraft solution uh that the backpack offers i think that of all the different ideas that people had and wrote in about for fixing the inventory or helping to fix the inventory i think adding a backpack was by far the most popular mm -hmm. and i think for that for one of the reasons that it doesn't feel too one block solution you know it doesn't feel like uh, too much of a of a hack you know to kind of go in there i think maybe 1.5 chest parts is a bit much i think at most you'd get a shulker box you know um a single chest worth of inventory however uh my experience and i know i've brought this up in the store on the show before from world of warcraft is that the bags that you start off with are roughly six slots and so i think it would be neat to have a backpack that maybe only starts you off with four or eight slots and that you have to somehow level it up you know over time to increase its slot capacity so that you could have access to a backpack in the early game of minecraft but it's a very tiny backpack and it really is only going to do so much for you uh until you uh later on and you know later on in the game is when you need more space for all the extra decorative blocks and things that you want to build with and carry around that sort of thing that that's called uh, a llama i think you, you want a backpack <laughs> you want a backpack with six slots that you have to carry around with yep. you get a get a llama and a lead <laughs> yeah and we there. know how and we know how reliable leads are like it's, it's the kind of thing where like it's it's an interesting mechanic that they interested in the game but ultimately no one uses it because it's not it doesn't function the way that people expect it to right mm -hmm. like that's that that to me is is it's one of those things where people want it to be accessible not have to drag it around on a yeah. string right yeah yeah um after watching uh, a lot of iskal 85 play funcraft over the last few weeks uh large storage systems equipped with text search while i like the idea i don't really know that double chests in minecraft have prevented me from finding anything that's not a very large inventory yeah i agree um, I think I think the issue that usually comes from people losing things in chests is perhaps just not being as organized as you could be. I mean, there's item frames. You can put items in them. Like, I, I go through my nether workroom all the time, and they're not single storage items in each chest, but they're, it's pretty easy to find my nether chest, my end chest, you know, my glass chest. Um, they all have the appropriate blocks on the outside, so it's pretty straightforward for that kind of stuff. Um, I do, I do think that the bag thing is something that I, I do really want in the game. Like the more that we've talked about it with, with listeners via email and stuff, like, I really think that a bag would be the right solution. I don't, where do you find, where do you find you land on? Like, if you're wearing a backpack, then you can't wear a chest plate or a Lytra. I dislike switching between a chest plate and a Lytra anyway, to the stage where I will just wear a Lytra now. And yeah. I like the idea of balancing it and making it not too OP, if you like to say, by uh, by removing the fact that you would have Elytra. And it's not like you would need your Elytra when you had a backpack on you anyway. 
uh, because you'd be using it to sort through inventory and stuff, and then you'd have to switch them out again. But I think one of the things I really like about Minecraft's most recent quality of life changes, like being able to pick block in survival now, is that ultimately what that's doing is allowing you to spend less time in your inventory. And I think the problem here is a lot of the solutions are going to require players to spend more time in that inventory screen where the world around them is paused and, you know, stuff can sneak up on you and that kind of thing. Like, I, I will I will run, you know, 50 blocks so that I can middle-click on a block that I have in my inventory so I don't have to open my inventory and get it out to build with. I'm that I have ki- done that. I'm that kind of player now, yeah. And, and yeah. I, th- I think that is such a great change to the way we manage blocks. And I, I think that happened in maybe, like, 1.11 or 1.12. It's a relatively recent thing. It's been in creative forever, but it only really affected the survival game more recently. And that... I think has been a better solution to the problem of inventory and storage and finding stuff than having a search bar or something like that. I think search bars work well for the crafting interface where you have a ton of recipes to look through and you just can't remember the recipe for one of the new workstations. You know, you can't remember how to make a comparator where do you put the quartz and the, you know, redstone torches. Does it need redstone, smooth stone, slabs, whatever, that kind of thing. But then you don't need a search bar to search 56 items which is the majority of you know that's that's what you see you maybe see 100 item slots if you have a large chest open with your player's inventory there as well and the hot bar at the bottom so i don't think we need a search bar necessarily and i can understand it being the case for modded where you've added a ton more stuff to the game and maybe further down the line as minecraft adds more stuff maybe that would be worthwhile but i think it only really makes sense from a crafting point of view just to make sure that you've got the recipes for stuff right. Better for modded, probably not a vanilla thing. So, um, moving on, let's let's talk a little bit more about inventory management, but a different approach. This one comes from Knight Rider 9 uh, Hi, Johnny and Joel. In the last episode of The Spawn Chunks, you had a discussion about inventory management and ways it could be improved. An idea I had was a kind of shadow bar beneath your main hotbar, which you could swap between the two to have a second hotbar. The key thing being that you could switch bars on a slot-to-slot basis with a certain key, like the F key for switching an item to your offhand. My standard hotbar arrangement generally consists of a sword slash axe, pickaxe, bow, building blocks, water bucket, food, and torches, which leaves me with two slots of free space in my hotbar, which can be a pain, a pain when building and completing general tasks, all of which is complicated by the fact that I need to switch in things like a shovel or an axe if I'm not using that as a main weapon, rockets, enderpearls, etc. Being able to switch between a second hotbar would be great, as you could condense the staples of your hotbar to a smaller number of slots, meaning you could carry around more task materials without having to sacrifice the things that could save your life. This might not solve the whole inventory problem, but it's a start and could greatly improve the hotbar system. Keen to hear your thoughts? Keep up the great work. Knight Rider 9 And this is quite similar to something I, I think I brought up in the episode, where Tinker's Construct has a tool belt that allows you to switch between hotbars. The problem really being that you have to bind it to a key press. And we had another email that we're not going to read today because it was kind of similar to uh, the other suggestions that we've had uh, from Cynthia Sherwood, who pointed out that on a console or a tablet, the controls are limited. You have a limited amount of button inputs. And on a tablet interface, of course, you just have the GUI and you're tapping and swiping and using gestures. And how do you use the limited amount of button inputs to 
increase the amount of stuff you can do like switching hotbars on the fly would require some sort of combination key press on an xbox controller for example or probably an on-screen button on the uh you know tablet gui which is going to be you know an additional thing that players have to remember and i think cynthia's email even said you know it, it, it's difficult enough using shields on some of these versions and the shield solution has more or less been figured out for bedrock now but it is still yeah it's it's a little bit tough adding anything in terms of keybinds and new stuff like that when your control interface is relatively limited on those platforms bearing in mind that those are the most popular platforms on which people play minecraft now um yeah, the, the the thing about this being, you know, having two slots of inventory space free is something that I already sort of mentioned pick block being a, a vital thing for. But it, I think it's really cool that when picking a block, it does skip over all of your enchanted tools uh, before switching out the, the blocks. I kind of wish it didn't sometimes. I think it's it's smart to make sure that you keep all of that stuff in your hotbar and that you only swap out spaces where there is a less vital item there. But I kind of wish you could toggle that on and off somehow so that it wouldn't do that. And I don't know if that's something you could toggle in controls or in accessibility preferences somewhere, but mm. it, it might be worth doing so that you could swap blocks in and out. The problem then being, of course, how do you get your sword back into your hotbar from your inventory? You inevitably have to open your inventory because there isn't a sword out in the environment that you can middle click on to pick that back up. I don't believe I don't my experience with hop with um pick block is that it replaces whatever I happen to be hovering over. So like I've pick blocked I'm pretty sure I've pick blocked my pickaxe out of my inventory, but I could be wrong. I could also be experiencing, I, I have the inventory uh, mouse bug where if you go into your inventory, your mouse is skipped to a different location on the screen sometimes. Yeah. Not, it's not consistent, but like you go to grab your pickaxe and you open up your inventory, but then your mouse is like three squares up and it's over a pair of shears. And so that's what ends up being in your hotbar. And you're just like, no, I didn't, you know, and it's, it's, all, it's just because it's a visual glitch. But for, for me with pick block, like I, I really like that, like the way of working. Um, but for me, if the inventory was able to be expanded and you could pick block stuff from a backpack, like that to me, I think would like alleviate the button press issue, right? Like you could, you could still get in items that are in the expanded inventory with pick block and they would go back in the bag without having to go into your inventory into the bag and like put them there. As far as the other hot bar stuff, that's again, I know I keep on bringing it up because it's one of the other games I have the most experience with, but World of Warcraft, same idea. You could have different hotbar arrangements for different encounters. And it was just a matter of like hitting, I think like shift or something on your keyboard. Um, so for computer players, for, for desktop Java players, it would be more accessible and easier to do. Uh, and certainly not a new idea, but um, I don't know how you'd handle that for, for controllers and things like that. And I mean, touch, I, I think ultimately more functionality is, is just going to be severely limited by a touchscreen interface. But in terms of a controller, like there's got to be some way to bring up, you know, hot switches, inventories or things like that. I, There'll be a combination um, of like a trigger pull and something else. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's then getting players used to that functionality and not having them mm. waste it because they, they don't know it exists or it's an awkward combination yeah. or making it accessible to people who have limited range of movement with controllers. You know, there's, there's you know, adaptive controllers that are helping for issues like that, but then how do you right. adapt the new features to that as yeah. well? Um, do, I, do, we, I, do, we not have, do we not have access to this in the creative menu? Can you not have more than one hotbar in creative? 
yeah, uh, there there are actually um, command. I think it's like you press Control One, Control Two in Creative, and it switches between saved hotbars. Um, and I don't think that kind of functionality exists in Survival. Um, and I don't know how you would implement it in a way that really made a whole lot of sense because it would be trying to pull items out of your inventory that you might not necessarily have on you at the time but they, they are still making quality of life improvements to the way inventory management works in a sense that in the snapshots for 115 you can shift click items into the crafting interface now don't sleep on that as a feature that is going to be really really useful for crafting stuff like fireworks for example mm. that's a thing that you can't craft from the recipe book because there are variations in how they are crafted whether you include firework styles or not the strength of the firework you're trying to make there are so many permutations of those recipes that you can't one click craft them using the recipe book but you can now shift click that stuff so they are still thinking about these things and i recommend that people get used to that shift click thing because it's really going to make crafting a lot faster Especially for, if you do it in the right order, you can craft stuff like pistons that way, so you don't have to worry too much about fiddling with the recipe book for those, or dispensers, as another example. Being able to set up the framework of a dispenser, and then the recipe book would only allow you to, like, click on the recipe and then get one dispenser back, because you can't stack bows. But if you're just able to shift-click a bow into that slot and take it out every time, I think that might make that workflow a little bit easier. So... I, I just wanted to bring that up as a an example that quality of life features are still being worked on and there are some small tweaks that can take place which, while not revolutionizing inventory management, are still being added to the game even now, which are going to help. We've got another email from Dan. This is about grind time. Hey, Pix and Joel, I just started listening to the podcast about a month ago and I've been really enjoying it so far. I've actually been listening to it a lot recently while doing busy work in Minecraft, things like mining and resource gathering. This poses the question, what do you guys listen to when you're doing grindy stuff, excluding streams? Again, love the podcast. Keep it up, Dan. Uh, I actually don't play Minecraft that often when I'm not streaming anymore. Uh, it's just a time thing. I do sometimes, however, stick around after a stream and finish something up that required a little bit more brain power, uh, things that were going a little bit slowly on stream because of how engaged I am with the chat room. Uh, and so that or, you know, research or some planning wasn't possible on stream. Those tasks I do in silence. It's weird, I know, but I kind of like the breath <laughs> after three yeah. hours of talking nonstop. It's kind of nice to kind of like do something in Minecraft silently. I mean, I'll still chat with friends on the server via text, but like I'm, I'm pretty much just kind of doing, finishing the thought, especially if I have to end the stream, but I still really want to finish up whatever doorway or, or you know, thing that I was working on. Um, I, I do however uh, remember when I was doing a lot of mining and resource gathering, it's difficult for me because I'm so endgame now in Minecraft, there's not a lot of grindy stuff I'm doing anymore. However, when I did get into that kind of stuff, much like you guys, I listened to podcasts. And so I thought I would pass on a couple of my favorites. Uh, Daily Tech News Show is a show hosted by Tom Merritt. It's about tech news in the tech world. And uh, it's about reporting the latest, but also getting some editorial in there. It's a fun, it's, it's, it's more casual than it sounds. It's not like watching the evening news. It's a little bit more jovial. Uh, the, Tom, Sarah, and Roger and other co-hosts all very much enjoy tech and tech news. So they get, they get giddy about like new stuff from Apple or Google or, you know, new gaming news, that sort of thing. Uh, speaking of gaming news, Pixels is a uh, general gaming news podcast. It's from Patrick Beja. You can find that at frenchspin.com. Uh, it's also an easy 
podcast to keep up on. I think he only does it once or twice a month, depending on when the gaming news is the heaviest. So it's not like it's a, a weekly thing to keep up on. And last but not least is a front burner. This is going to be more focused on any Canadian listeners we have on the Spawn Chunks. Uh, front burner is a CBC podcast, and it's uh, basically big news, Canadian news, stuff that affects the country. Um, and it's a short listen. It's only like 15 or 20 minutes. It's very matter of fact. Um, certainly the driest, although it's still very well presented, uh, and the hosts there are pretty colorful as well. And I, of course, will have links to all of those podcasts in the show notes for this week. Great, yeah. Um, I don't often have stuff on in the background either uh despite spending a significantly larger amount of time i think in minecraft per week than joel does uh because i'm either streaming or i'm working on videos and i've got my recording software either running or on standby and while i'd obviously cut those segments out of the video i don't necessarily want to have a bunch of other audio intruding on my stuff not to mention the fact that when you're playing minecraft sometimes these emergent moments will happen that i kind of go well thank goodness i was recording because like there was a a moment with a creeper that makes it to the edit because it was funny and that kind of thing um that said i if, if i do just feel like getting my head down and grinding just finishing up a build or i'm doing a time lapse that isn't on one of my streams say uh, I, I listen to a few podcasts as well. I listen to stuff from the Rooster Teeth crew and from the Maximum Fun Network. Um, there's a new cyberpunk RPG podcast called Fun City uh, that I found recently. Uh, I'll link these in the show notes as well for those who are interested. Most of these are not necessarily family-friendly, but good adult entertainment. Um, and yeah, aside from that, music-wise, I listen to the, the kind of chill-out music compilations that you can easily find on uh on youtube sometimes those hip-hop radio shows uh that, that that now play on youtube that just kind of have streams of like hip-hop loops and things like that and also video game soundtracks aside from the minecraft soundtrack there are some cracking ones out there my recent favorites being the soundtracks for hyperlight drifter um sayonara wild hearts and having grown up as a Sonic the Hedgehog fan, I thought the soundtrack to Sonic Mania was really great. I haven't played the game itself, but I could listen to the soundtrack for that all day. And it keeps me nice and upbeat when I'm doing long, grindy work that's otherwise kind of repetitive. I think uh, we can round out this episode just by reading a couple of comments from our YouTube videos, because we've had a couple of these come through that have been interesting, either contributing to the discussion or circling back to topics we've covered in previous episodes. So on episode 68, uh, Finley the Fish left the comment, With the topic of Minecraft Earth, I'm not able to play inside my house. I can't figure out how to make the build palette smaller. Uh, this makes it so I have to go outside into a park or a larger area to build in Minecraft Earth, and I was super excited to start building in the app, so that kind of sucks. Uh, I'm also kind of annoyed with the fact that me and my sister, who share a Microsoft account, can't have two separate worlds to collect and build in. I also find it annoying that there's no creative mode. I personally don't really like survival mode too much, so I mostly play creative, but Minecraft Earth doesn't have a creative mode, so I'm not even too able to really test things in Minecraft Earth. So with that in mind, I will explain a little bit about the Minecraft Earth interface, because when you open build plates, there are two buttons. There is build and there is play. The play button is just the kind of triangular play logo you might be used to. But if you click on build there, that should be the one that launches effectively a scale model of your build that will fit on a table or something like that. And if that is appearing too large, on your screen that is probably because you have your phone or tablet too close to the surface you're trying to place it down on so as long as you don't hit that play button if you hit build instead you should be able to build with it in a smaller scale and that's also the mode in which you're able to access your inventory and freely place stuff that you have gathered 
as though it were in creative mode. So you can rotate the build around, you don't have to walk around it physically, you don't have to use tools to break blocks, you can just break them using pickup mode kind of instantly. And th I hope that clarifies that because I have seen a bit of confusion about the differences between build mode and play mode and thinking they're effectively the same thing or people just want to click play. Um, the thing about accounts, I, I kind of agree that it's a shame there aren't profiles attached to the Minecraft Earth app, especially because families share devices. They won't have multiple profiles for a single iPad, which is tied to a specific Apple account or Microsoft account. And you can log in and out on the app, but Finley specifically said that they share a Microsoft account with their sister. So that's, um yeah, kind of kind of a pain. And there's not really a whole lot that you can do about that as such. But I hope that clarifies things about the uh, the other stuff about Minecraft Earth because I have not been playing it as much. I expect I'll play it more over the holidays when I'll be going outside and, you know, exploring some places I haven't been, going to see family, going on walks and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I've not really been playing Minecraft Earth all that much. I still need to log in sometime and get a Jolly Llama at some point. Nice. I, uh, I'm not sure how old uh, Finley might be, but uh, one of the reasons why they make it difficult with sharing accounts is, uh, especially with mobile and AR related things, uh, data and data privacy. And so if one party, like maybe your sister is okay or not okay with sharing location data, but you are, then that creates a problem when you're sharing an account. And so Microsoft doesn't want the permissions on the account to affect different profiles. And I, I don't know the back end of that. However, one of the things that I do learn from listening to Daily Tech News Show is all of the different news and concerns about pr uh, privacy uh, and data privacy yeah. in these larger tech companies. So I would imagine legally, depending on what country Minecraft Earth is in uh, and where it's launched, there might be different requirements from Microsoft to say like, no, okay, we can only do so much with an account before we have to lock it down. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we have another comment on the same episode from The Simple Gamer, but this was about our discussion about the new combat snapshots that Jeb has been testing with the Minecraft community oh, nice. on Reddit. Um, and it was about arrow accuracy specifically. The Simple Gamer thinks that arrow accuracy should have stayed the same with a more random element. It says it was more realistic when they didn't always hit the target exactly, and it was so satisfying to hit a target 100 blocks away when it was challenging. Now it feels more like a modern rifle than a bow. And this is interesting to, to hear from me because I haven't spent any time in these combat snapshots at all. So it's cool to hear that for a start, the accuracy is noticeably different. But also I kind of appreciate, yeah, that if you're hitting something 100 blocks away and you are that accurate, it may be a little bit too noticeable and you kind of want a bit of a a challenge in that. How do you feel about that, Joel? Because I know you, you, you're probably a builder, so you, you, you've been, you know, spending less time in the, the PvE aspect of the game even, but you probably need a, a bow every now and again to defend yourself. Oh, well, given the amount of times that I missed the ghasts yesterday on stream, considering that they're the size of a small floating building. <laughs> yeah, they're quite a large uh, target, and somehow... The, the, the yeah. arrow inaccuracy to me is a little bit on the goofy side. Now, granted, there's an awful lot of server lag that I mentioned both in the podcast yes. and in the, in the pre-show, but but still, like I, I find the arrow... The fact that you still have to arc an arrow, like gravity is still a thing, yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to mind uh, more accurate arrows. Uh, I certainly don't think the skeletons that shot all four of those arrows directly into my butt yesterday were would need 
need to be any more accurate than they already were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I don't know whether the combat is affecting all arrows or only player shot arrows. I'm not sure whether skeletons are going to get even more accurate or not. But they don't seem to miss. Um, at least not on hard mode. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, as we speculated before, the target accuracy is probably due to the target block. And I think it would be, for me personally, frustrating if I'm playing a minigame that that target block is involved in and there's a certain amount of RNG on whether or not, you know, if I know that I'm going to hit that target and I haven't moved my mouse and the arrow misses, that to me is frustrating. Yeah. And, and so I would much prefer to be able to have the game mechanic be calculating the arc. Like, am I going to get, get that right? And that to me is enough of a mechanic uh, to be satisfying. I don't think I need to have, you know, quote unquote wind in Minecraft, you know, taking my things off. I already slice in golf. I don't need to slice in Minecraft. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm. I have a last minute piece of news to cover because this seems to have been tweeted by the Minecraft account right as we started recording the show. Um, The Minecraft Twitter account has said that it's time to bring the whole extended family together for the holidays. The bedrock version of Minecraft is coming to PlayStation 4. Crossplay with your friends on Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and uh, Windows 10 and mobile. So I'm going to link that in the show notes now. Sorry, this is a little bit last minute, but yeah, it seems to have been tweeted out right as we started recording this. And it's it's worth covering because, I mean, Bedrock Edition has had the holdout of the PlayStation version for a little while now. And it's really good to see that they are being brought into the fold and that crossplay is going to be available. The PlayStation 4 Edition also gets updates at weird times because... They're not quite on the same release schedule as the Bedrock version is. And let me scroll back up to the show notes so I can put that in because, yeah, that's going to be good news for the PlayStation family. Nice. I mean, and really more access to Minecraft is always a good thing. Even Definitely. if, unfortunately, some people are later to the game than others. We get a lot of emails um, that we don't really get into too much on the show because Johnny and I are not Bedrock players, but a lot of uh, questions about, like, you know, not inventory management, but uh, uh, consistency across versions, the parity across different versions and how all of these things that we're talking about uh, and speculating about in terms of inventory may or may not affect bedrock players and that sort of thing. And I I think it's just, it's, it's better to have more access, even though unfortunately some of those, I guess, versions of Minecraft are going to vary. But I think that um, bringing PlayStation people up to speed is going to be welcome. We've had one or two emails from people on PlayStation in the past, I think. Yes, yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be good that those people can now crossplay with the rest of the console family. That sounds that sounds great. Um I think that's probably all we've got time for for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Spawn Chunks and thank you to everybody who sent in your emails. I'm sure we'll receive a few more over the holiday period as well, especially as people get to grips with Minecraft 1.15. But you can find more information about today's show and links to some of the things we've talked about, including all of those podcast recommendations from earlier at the spawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, you can put some value back in by visiting patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and joining our community which currently has 144 patrons one gross as uh, they would say in the hobbit um <laughs> or is it lord of the rings i forget um you can uh, visit patreon.com get invites to our patron only discord chat by pledging there and get us closer to our next milestone goals the live recording day at 400 dollars per episode um, the special thanks this week go to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Greener Kennock, JD Williamson, and Yitz for their support on this episode. 
Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. It's free. Just poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, this is really cool. They read our emails. You should listen to it. <laughs> uh, you can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram if you'd like to share us digitally. But like I said, uh, the personal recommendation is by far the best. Email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify on your listening app of choice. And hey, we're also on YouTube if that's where you like to hang your podcast hat. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page and that's where you can get the extended version of the podcast, The Render Distance. If you're listening to the podcast over the Christmas time or holiday period, whatever you happen to celebrate, I would also encourage you guys to leave us a review on whatever platform you happen to listen to the show on. If it's on YouTube, you can probably just leave a comment and a like and subscribe to the channel and that kind of stuff. But that stuff really does help us out and I'm sure people will be you know, getting new gadgets over the holiday period and finding stuff to listen to on their latest podcast listening devices or just have a little bit more free time. So a review really goes a long way. Even old as the show is at this point, we are in this for over a year and I think it's it's still really great and helps us get the show out there if you leave a review. So I would recommend that you guys do that. Uh, my name is Johnny. Online I go by Pixel Riffs and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch uh, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm up to online is at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio. If you're looking to hire me, then just drop me a line there. Full up for the rest of 2019 and well into 2020. So uh, we're looking at some newer projects in the, the winter months. But hey, uh, drop me a line. See what's up. Uh, the Citadel Cafe is a podcast I do about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. And actually, this past week, we covered The Dragon Prince Season 3, which is on Netflix right now. Uh, pretty good family-friendly cartoon. Uh, lots of adventure. Think like, you know, dragons and magic and hobbit and trolls and elves and all that kind of stuff it was really fun talk to my buddy uh steven sharky schnard about that and it was uh, full of spoilers so make sure that you've seen the season before you turn into that show uh you can also follow me on youtube twitch twitter and instagram it's all just my name really easy to find i'm going to point you towards twitch of course which is twitch.tv slash joel duggan and i am going to be embarking on the adventure of building a modern city in minecraft and i already feel very very ill-equipped so come and watch me suck <laughs> and learn uh along with me at uh, at twitch Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks, the world outside is infinite, and tomorrow the buzz begins.